Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us on our first episode of 2022. I cannot believe the new year is here either. Hey, we've got a great episode for you today. Really appreciate you joining us for this one because it's a return guest. I love it when we have a guest come back. And it's a good friend of ours, good friend of the podcast, Davey Gardner. And we're so close, so we just get right into it in our discussion here. I went over to Davey's place and recorded, and we started talking. So this conversation starts in the middle. Like a good improv scene, it starts right in the middle. And the conversation starts with a discussion about intellectual property. So I hope you enjoy this conversation because it's thoughtful and it's fun. Let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Davey Gardner. The amount of companies that are letting writers keep full intellectual property of their writing for Mm -hmm. audio is very small. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think it makes sense to not at least have some percentage of the IP. I mean, like, mm-hmm. basically that's saying if this show is successful, I would like to be part of mm-hmm. that financial success, you know, <laughs> right. a little bit, right? Yeah. But yeah. but to cut someone out of the process who invented it, I mean, ideas are all we really have. Right. You know, that's what we bring to it. And that's a commodity as much as anything else, you know? Right. I think that is... And this is all across the industry of like yeah. not just audio but entertainment and media yeah. in general. The intellectual property is uh, like people are just taking advantage of the people who create the stuff. Yeah, I and don't think media is known as the most social justice friendly no. uh-uh. <laughs> industry. No, yeah. and then it's social justice ish when it's like performative, performative, super performative. yeah. Because then, I don't know if you heard, I may have talked about this on the podcast, but there was uh, that that woman who was going to be the editor at, what magazine was it? It was like uh, a Teen Cosmo or something like that. <laughs> I don't know what, it was like one of those, <laughs> one of those things. And uh, she had these old garbage tweets that were super racist towards Asians. And she was wrong, fully wrong. Mm-hmm. And then that came out, and she had apologized for it a couple years prior, and then it was Teen Vogue actually. That um, sounds more right. More right than <laughs> Teen Cosmo. <laughs> so when she was getting picked up to be the editor at Teen Vogue, some staffers were like, "No, we don't yep. want her here." What did you think of that? I have mixed feelings about it because, like, if I feel like. When someone does something that's legitimately wrong and it needs to be addressed, I think they should address it. I think that is the oh, right thing to do. Yeah. If they've addressed it mm-hmm. appropriately, then I think we've got to move on. There is a big debate about this. But I, there yep. is. And I think a lot of the debate is what is appropriate? What is appropriately addressing it? And I don't think there is a 
consensus on what's appropriate on how to address it. I think that's one big issue. I also think the cases are not the same. They're so different. You know? Um, and there's no... Like, if someone breaks a law, they have a trial, and then they go to jail if they're convicted. And that's a, you know, a government that has been put in charge of making those decisions, right? right? So it so is completely different logic? than Twitter or whatever. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it is, you know, there are so many cases where that, I mean, cancel culture has really helped communities be, right, yeah. be, be better ones. And um, be heard, people who have not been heard, right. be heard now. But I think it, it also has been, or part of the debate has been that it's, become in some you know domains weaponized yeah. right so oh, that's yeah. like you know i ezra klein has a really good if you listen to his podcast oh, he has a really good i think i heard about this but i haven't listened to it i'm culture. currently listening to you're wrong about talk about oh. cancel culture and i'm i think i'm on the second episode of their three cool. part yeah uh, covering cancel culture but oh so back to the teen vogue thing yeah one of the people who was uh-huh. calling her out and like very like signed the letter and, and put it out, she's Asian. Uh-huh. So like understand why you're offended by what she said. You should everyone should be offended by what she had said. But then it turns out that woman, previously on Twitter, had used the N-word. Wow. So it's like who's watching the Watchmen at this point? And that's why I'm so conflicted about how we're handling these things, because it sounds like everyone has some garbage. I think that we're one of the first generations that has had everything <laughs> recorded for yeah. our whole life. Yeah. And the people or like people who are older than a certain age right now simply did not have the same experience right. of, you know, you you hear about, you know, Sarah Silverman and Louis C.K. talking about how they did all of these sets when they were young. I mean, like... like early 90s. Yeah. That, it wasn't as easy to get picked up. Well, yeah. It, it's... It, you know, when... What kinds of things are we held responsible for at what points in our life mm-hmm. or in our lives? And, like, what is sort of irreparable or shows something about character that is different? But also, it's, like, for what purpose really matters is it for the purpose of whatever this job is it's hard with tweets i think because you are saying this is an opinion i have (laughs) like or like this is a joke i'm making and jokes really have had a lot of yeah i'm wondering if twitter is not the best place for jokes oh i don't think you know because because things change you know james gunn's a perfect example like when he was making those jokes that he was making yes they were crass but at the time, those are the kind of jokes people were telling on Twitter. Oh, I just tell everyone, like, do not tweet. Just don't tweet. <laughs> just tweet. This is don't better make, not to. <laughs> don't add to the history of, yeah. you know. Right. And so, you know, when, when his thing came out, and that was an example, I think, of someone who appropriately handled the offense that he caused. And yeah. years before he was first fired from the Guardians of the Galaxy sequel... He had apologized for those old tweets because someone brought him up. Right. When he was fired, it was like a political attack from right-wing conservatives who on Twitter just want to attack liberals. And he's a liberal who was outspoken against, so they were just attacking him. So that side of it makes it like, okay, you're not even bringing this up in good faith. You're not offended, 
and you don't think he needs to be held accountable. You just want to hurt his career. Oh, people get death threats. Right. It's, and it's a real And that problem. messes it all up. So yeah. it's so complicated because of that. I also think, in part, you know, it's increasing polarization. Mm-hmm. It's social media. And it... It's so easy for propaganda to, like... Well, yeah. But I think, like, basically it is the kind of situation where the people who are responsible for holding people accountable for what they say, mm-hmm. is, is it because we don't really have adequate or an adequate judicial system? Like, or like yeah, a way to, is there system, a way yeah. that the institutions right now are not adequately identifying problems? And is it that, you know, Twitter and the people are, you know, trying to supplement that? Or is it that this is, or was that the original intent and now it's been weaponized and who knows? Right. It's very complicated, but yeah, what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, it is. I know. And we're figuring out a whole lot of stuff. And I think ultimately there's one thing of like, we got to be a little more gracious, I think. But it's hard to say anything because if you say something like, well, we just need to be more forgiving, then someone will be like, oh, so we need to forgive R. Kelly. And it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's like, they're trying to cancel him. No, 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 no. He was right. held accountable for of criminal acts. This is not a social justice issue. As an Arkelly. adult, yeah. Right. He was he was abusing children and, and all sorts of people in so many different ways that are criminal acts. Right. So it's not the same thing as James Gunn writing a tweet that was offensive or to f- you now, but uh, no one thought it was offensive 15 years ago. You yeah. Know? Like that sort of thing. They're two totally different situations. So when people talk about cancel culture and they start talking about bill cosby and stuff i'm like that's not can we be yeah can we hold people in the past accountable for current standards i you know like is it it, it, what's the difference i mean it's such a clear difference to me between Mm -hmm. a 15 year old tweeting something that (laughs) was said like all the time around them in their specific culture they grew up in i mean yeah I think when people bring up an, an old tweet, there are a bunch of tweets that, that show up when someone was like 18. It's like, well, we were all kind of when we were 18. That's where mm-hmm. I'm like, I can be a little bit sympathetic or gracious in thinking about that part of it. But what I think is valuable is saying, okay, you did say this. We, this was uncovered. How do you feel now? Like, exactly. What do you say about it now, today? Clearly, this person is an impressive journalist to be an editor. Right. I don't, I don't know this story. I but, don't know much about her. But uh, yeah, I mean, to get that job, she must be right. impressive in some way. And so if we're going to let her shape young minds, I'd like to know if she still hates Asians. You know, like, <laughs> she still has a reasonable stance. Yeah. You know, but does it mean she should never work again? And some people who weaponize it take it there. Not necessarily with her. She's not working there. Neither is that person who signed that letter and said the N-word years ago on Twitter a lot of times. So it's sort of like, I don't know what's going on. You know, like, we can always sit here and, not you and me, but people can always Mm -hmm. sit and be skeptical of someone's motives. We don't know their heart. We can't possibly know that they have good motives or bad motives. But we can always, like, go, I don't know, she used the N-word, so maybe that's the only real reason she signed that in that, that letter to right. keep this black woman who was trying to get a job at Teen Vogue 
from getting it. It's just because she's racist. It's like, I, I don't know that. I think <laughs> it's another example of just like, it is all in the details and yeah. specifics of the situation. Mm-hmm. So sometimes conversations about cancel culture, I feel like are not specific enough like i yeah, feel like they totally need to be agree. grounded i mean we're we're talking about a specific case i i don't know the story though so i can't <laughs> i wouldn't want to you know comment on it but i just mean i i think that it's so deeply ingrained in what the power dynamics and what was at play what was at stake at mm-hmm. the time and and you know what the future of this person having a role will be it's mm-hmm. It's, it's complicated. I think it's yeah. complicated. I 100% agree because people, they're being reductive about situations when they talk about it a lot of times online. And they aren't taking it case by case. And you have to take it case by case. Right. Because they all are different situations. Well, you know? Twitter is a place for nuance. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's interesting when I, when I see stuff play out and I'm like, no, we're getting dumber when we're trying to be smarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, we're only talking about this topic because we're trying to be smarter. So why is everyone being so about it? It's really yeah. annoying to me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's all like, I also think you can boil it down to the intention behind whatever right. something is, you know? Yeah. Or you, you could hope to. Absolutely. You know, I think everyone's sort of trying to protect what they their little domain of what they're in charge of right right whether it's a comedy theater mm-hmm. or a company or a newspaper you know like yeah. everybody needs their reputation to be right you know it's so much of it is responding to how things look to other people yeah as opposed to doing what's right and that's where it also gets super complicated cuz now it's not like well let's get down to the facts and let's find a way to reconcile the situation I think no one wants that they just want like no just fire them i think facts is the right word you know yeah i think a lot of it stems from social media and our Absolutely. generations that grew up with social media that it's a constant performance and <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're just not you know getting to the heart of what people believe right genuinely and having we're talking past each other in almost every conversation we hear you know like yeah. if you can have a real conversation even right now mm-hmm. like this is a publicly monitored space right yeah so who know, i mean it's not like it would necessarily be so different but um, but i'm just saying people have to have the medium matters you know in right the, right absolutely so, It's a mess. It's a whole mess, and we're not going to solve anything today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe we should uh, talk about cancel culture with Davy Gardner. I don't know why that would be my expertise in the slightest. I really, truly... Let's talk about your expertise, because when you were last on the podcast, you were doing stuff that everyone knew about, like The Truth and UCB, Uh but now there are all these other things that... I have known. I don't know if my listeners knew about. So uh, listeners are just dying to see how my you've done so much since evolved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you've yeah. done so much since you were last on the podcast. It's super cool. That was two or three years ago, uh-huh. I think, when you were on. So since then, you've done work at Wondery, Wondery, and yeah. Audible, uh-huh. and you had an original series. Yeah, there, and you 
also had squib. Scribbed. Scribbed. Not your fault. That's a hard one. <laughs> Plus, I got Invisalign. It's just harder to talk. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't notice. Yeah. Okay, this is the ad for Invisalign. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't notice. And you had a, a script. You, you, there was Mountains, which won oh, a couple yeah. of awards. Yeah. Congratulations. That was, that was 2019. So yeah. But still, congratulations. That's so cool. Thank Cause you. Because it, it won like the best dark comedy script and best first time screenwriter award like that's very very cool man i, I love that thank you that's very nice of you to bring up. <laughs> for sure thank you and you were also teaching was it writing or screenwriting specifically uh yeah i've done some teaching in different contexts i mean i used to right after college i did i taught history and english but then mm-hmm. i stopped doing that but more recently it was what was it the, the school of the new york times right yeah i, mm-hmm. I did that that was a summer uh where i worked nice. there it was not a Big job, but it was a very interesting one. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. Yeah, like you're doing all this really neat stuff. I mean, everyone who knows you knows how hard you work and how, how focused you are uh, and how good you are as well. So you deserve all the success. That's so nice, though. I don't want to... I mean, the relationship between hard work and <laughs> opportunities in the world is questionable. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think I am excited to have had some opportunities but yeah but i'm like really shitty at everything i do so I'm not <laughs> no <laughs> i'm not kidding. true no no <laughs> you're, you're very diligent and i appreciate that you're always writing and always working on stuff and trying to improve and honing skills and i think that's really commendable and i think one of the main things i think people should learn is like well it kind of takes constantly trying to grow and, and improve which I, might, I think you do. I well, that's that's really really nice. I might push back on it though, because <laughs> oh. here, here's what I think. Well, I mean, of course, the the diligence matters. You have to learn before mm-hmm. you can you know do the stuff, usually. <laughs> but I think that a lot of if I were talking to me mm-hmm. five years ago, mm-hmm. I would just be like, chill out, <laughs> stop, like live your life. Okay, you know? well, that's and, fair. And I think. The most success I've had when, while writing in particular has been when I have sat down at my computer and it's been, you know, uh, headspace, we'll call it, like effortless effort. You know, you're mm-hmm. sort of, you're not, it doesn't feel like when you're sitting down at the keyboard, this is my financial, mm. like, stability. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're kind of just like letting it flow and there's like kind mm-hmm. of a lot less. So... I think it can kind of happen on its own sometimes if you're open to it, you know, if you're just open to the mm-hmm. possibility. I'm not saying it doesn't take hard work. It takes a lot of hard work. I just For mean, sure. I wouldn't want anybody to walk away and think, you know, I'm not working hard enough. Because oh, yeah, that's, that's how good... I felt for yeah. years. For years, I was like, yeah. I'm not seeing success because oh. it's it's my, I'm not good enough, talented enough, whatever, uh-huh. any, any of those things. And I'm not sure that's true. I don't think that's true either. Yeah. Because then you miss out on like the learning part of it. And the is, enjoying it and the being present. It's like you, you get the recognition, you get the, that makes you want to practice. The mm-hmm. practice leads to the mastery and mm-hmm. the mastery gets you recognition, you know, like, but, but I think I missed a step in that for a long time, mm-hmm. which is, I was just practicing all the time. I missed two steps. <laughs> I totally, I'm totally feeling you. I do think that would resonate 
even more than the work hard is the thing you're saying of like not feeling like you're working hard enough because that's such a killer for a lot of people i've certainly experienced like well i guess i'm just not doing this thing enough yeah that's i think that's just like a not a you know the the way the world we live in has created that for us that we're not you know, like enough. You gotta grind. You gotta yeah, hit the right. You know, just gotta hustle. I'm just hustling. This so many people say that that it yeah. paints this picture of like, well, that's the only way. And then I'll hear someone famous yeah. <laughs> who will say like, I'm super lazy. Well, yeah. <laughs> I like, mean, again, the relationship between fame, fame and and, uh, <laughs> and diligence. I don't know, but I I think like yeah, I tend to think that people in this day and age need to be kinder to themselves absolutely mostly first yeah. and foremost just because i think that's kind of the, the foundation you need to then grow on it right but I'd, i just wasn't i'd be like why am i not writing well i haven't eaten or slept in like right. two weeks because you're working so hard somehow that's not helping me write better right. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. of course it's not you know right. you're preventing yourself from the pressure you're putting on it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, or that's at least what I needed to hear, but everybody's different, so. Everyone's different, but there are a lot of people struggling with that, and I think that is the main thing. Yeah. It's like, well, how are you treating yourself? Like, are you getting a good night's sleep? Are you eating well? You know, like, what are you... And, and are you enjoying what mm-hmm, you're doing, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, I think acting is a good example because you get auditions which feel entirely uh, reliant on the outcome, you know? Mm-hmm. But... The actual act of auditioning is such a big part of acting <laughs> that if it's not, if you can't enjoy that piece of it, mm-hmm. that, I mean, you know, I mean, and no, and no job is going to be, you know, more than 20% of it is probably not going to be fun, you know, like for, right. any, for any job, you know what I mean? Right. But yeah, I, I just think it's very difficult. I think living a life where you're waiting for a future where you're going to be okay, mm-hmm. as opposed to just be, to just valuing okay what you're doing now <laughs> right. right and like enjoy like oh this is fun we're like having a, a chat on a podcast right now you know like yeah. you know it's fun no it's you're totally right i mean just with this podcast i'll get super bogged down with like oh, i gotta find guests i gotta find more guests yeah oh i shouldn't say i get super bogged down but when i have to look for more guests then it's you know not the fun part right um because it's like sending out a bunch of emails and then hoping you hear back and then you don't and you're thinking like oh I guess I suck and it's like well that's <laughs> well that's I will say a... <laughs> this is a great podcast thank you I love it and I do want to hear more about how you like I'm interested in hearing since we're talking about you know audio work in general mm-hmm. how you approach these interviews because mm-hmm. you're so good at interviewing people you oh, know thank you yeah absolutely I try to and I've, I I realized this a long time ago. That if it's someone, especially someone famous, who's doing Uh a junket. When I was interviewing people who were doing that, I was like, well, I want to make sure I ask them questions that they would enjoy to answer. (laughs) Because they're getting the same questions over and over again in these junkets. And that's not super fun to just keep having to repeat the same answer again and again. So I was like, what's something that will be different so that gets them interested in talking to me. And then also what is something that's just interesting and more fun to talk about. Yeah. And so I try to find those sort of things to address, but with a podcast like this, since I'm also 
saying like, let's learn about how yeah, you do yeah. what you do, then there are things that are always there, like maybe your background or maybe, right. you know, you know, stuff like that. Well, but, of course. you know, we end up also talking about cancel culture, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's... Which I majored in in college, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I agree with you entirely. And I think it does make sense, not just more fun for, for, a, for a guest, but also... More fun for the listener to hear something that's not a regurgitated or practiced right. answer. It's right. actually something in the moment. I mean, I think that's what's cool about podcasting. You can mm-hmm. sort of be a fly on the wall and listen to conversations mm-hmm. with people that are, you know, being themselves, being yeah. authentic in the in the moment. You right. know, like that's the best part of it. So. Yeah, for sure. Like I just interviewed Wayne Fetterman and, and released that a couple weeks ago. And he was saying, uh, whenever, a number of questions I asked, he was like, where are you getting this information from? Oh my gosh, yeah, that happened. I did that. And, you know, that would, to me was like a huge compliment because yeah. he does a bunch of interviews. Absolutely. And yet he, when I was talking to him, he was surprised that I even knew some of the information I knew. Yeah. And it was just because I looked at things and read articles or listened to interviews and said, well, this little note here is interesting, and I want to ask about that. Right. Which right. this interviewer didn't get into. They just said, like, okay, you did that as a high schooler. All right. And then the next thing. You know, it was, you know, I'll look at a biography, yeah. but I'll look at an interview, too, and just see, like, what are people talking about with this person, and what's the next interesting thing to talk about with them? I think that's so smart, and I also think it's smart with podcasts where people, like the guests, are a central piece of it. To be able to zoom in on something that they, it's a specific thing that has happened to them. Mm -hmm. Because you get everything about a person when they're talking about one thing, you know? (laughs) Like, I could talk to you about, you know, (laughs) the summer I spent at the school of the New York Times. And we, we, you know, you get to know me. But I, I, you know, sometimes if I'm just like saying everything or or Mm -hmm. something more broad, right? Like that'll be, Mm -hmm. yeah. But anyway, I, I think you do a great job. Thanks. I appreciate that. Well, I was asking you before we started recording about the work you had been doing Mm. because you moved on from the truth, but I guess you still write some things that end up on there every once in a while. Yeah. But you're not working there regularly. And you were working at Scribd, as we mentioned, and then also at Wondery. Yeah. And these are audio jobs. Yeah. But what specifically, because one... One you were a consultant at. Right. So a producer from Audible liked some of the episodes that I had written for The Truth, Mm -hmm. which is cool. And they met me and we got to know each other. She's fantastic. Her name is Isabella Fulcarni. She's a really wonderful person to work with. Hey, Isabel. Yeah. (laughs) And that was to write an original series, write and direct um, Mm -hmm. and, and do some production for an original series for Audible, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. That's contract work, and it's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, in you know, as you know, you can't rely necessarily financially on a specific on one project. One project yeah. with like <laughs> depending on when the payment milestones come in or whatever. Right. So I was also working at Wondery, where I was a story editor producer. I was mostly working in the scripting phase of audio mm-hmm. stuff. So right, like just writing for audio, making scripts more listener friendly or, or painting sort of visuals in people's heads with the scripting and, and that kind of thing. And then also doing a bunch of just, you know, start to finish mm-hmm. the whole show production stuff. 
And then at Scribd, I'm more of like a creative development consultant, helping them shape an idea that they want to, to launch mm-hmm. soon enough. But yeah, it's all different kinds of work. I mean, at Wondery, it was piloting shows because I was on the new series team. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like you incubate an idea for you know 30 episodes and then we would send it off to the current series team. Mm-hmm. So it was really like kind of seeing what works and trying to get a sense of like coming up with pitches, trying to figure out what what could be cool. So I think that led to the like development route. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you you were saying that these are all kind of different roles and one of the things about audio is it could say audio producer, oh, but yeah. it could be so different depending on the particular project it is. An audio producer could be just editing the audio, yeah. but the audio producer in a different place could be coming up with interview questions and scripting and right. and, and coaching the hosts on how to do their role and, and all this stuff. So it, it's so yeah. different and varying from one place to the next. Like most things in audio, I think it's not... I mean, we shouldn't say audio because, you know... This has existed for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in this boom of podcasting, <laughs> right. there have yet to be um, more defined roles of mm-hmm. what everybody does on a show. And yeah, editor can, to some people, mean cutting tape. To other people, it can mean writing a whole s- script, you know, <laughs> or, or, or editing a whole script, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think more clearly defined roles would help. And I think part of it is that a lot of companies don't know what to write. I right. think people are learning still. and Yeah, a lot of hiring managers don't know audio well enough. They yeah. just hired to hire people. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oof. Hiring processes are, they can be very long mm-hmm. and time consuming. But, you know, I do think that in the ones that I've done where I haven't gotten the job, mm-hmm. I've learned things in them. Mm-hmm. Even if it's learning what I don't want or what I didn't like or yeah. like warning signs that something was kind of off, you know? Um, So I do think there's something to be said if you can sort of take that mindset to it, but Mm -hmm. it's it's so hard to not just want something if you're right for it, you know? You just want it to work out. It's like, all right, I learned something, but I also just want to (laughs) work. That's your memoir, right? Yes. I just want to work. Yeah, I, this is I why I'm something doing all of I these things. Want to work. <laughs> right. My memoir, yeah. Yeah, so things are, do you think things are still changing? Do you think these roles have become more defined? Yeah, I do. Even in scripted fiction podcasting, there are there's an organizing committee with mm-hmm. the WGA. It's not officially, you know, guild covered, but that is a good sign that people are starting to share you know, there, there needs to be more transparency with mm-hmm. how much people are making for what kinds of work or what type of project it is. And that's been helpful to have like a group that talks about that stuff openly. And I also just think in general, if you're giving artists a really bad deal, mm-hmm. good artists are not going to work for you. Yeah, the word will get out. Yeah, there's this, I think there's this power dynamic where it's always obviously company is the power Mm -hmm. person is not. But I would suggest that if they can't do what they want to do without Mm. specific original ideas, those can't be done by executive, or or certain executives. I mean, some are very creative. Right. Or or at least 
not they can't do it. That's why they're in touch with you. Right. So I think it is an it is an important factor to remember that you're bringing a huge piece of it to the table, and it's kind of the Jason Farr company is in negotiations with with this other company, Spotify or whatever Absolutely, it is, you know, right. like, and your company is valuable, right? right. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, people usually are doing the right, trying to do the right thing. I don't, I'm not saying it's such a, I don't want it to be oh, like absolutely. a nefarious right, right, right. thing, but they're good um, companies and they're bad companies. Yeah. And I'm yeah. amazed at how many bad companies yeah. are able to be out there and still exist. But Oof. I mean, I guess people just haven't blown the whistle on them yet. And they're gonna, they're going they're to, gonna. <laughs> it's going to happen. Is it really as simple as, because I think, you know, kind of going back to cancel culture and how people talk about it online. Certainly. People maybe reduce this topic a little bit too because people kind of look at it as like, well, Jeff Bezos is just an evil villain. And it's mm-hmm. like, or maybe he's in a bubble. Yeah, I can't speak to him. But I just mean, is it really that all these people are just out to hurt people the way that's the way people look at it online? Mm-hmm. Or is it more that it's businesses kind of run amok based on how show business has always been run. Yeah, that's really interesting. Two things I would say. First is, um, the first thought I had is that I actually think Twitter is an incredible resource for canceling a company. Because, again, (laughs) it's the power dynamic of Mm -hmm. people being able to share their experiences, which is why NDAs are ridiculous, right? Right. Um, So people can, you know, find out that this is an experience that's happened to many people and Mm -hmm. it should be made public knowledge, information mm-hmm. is power, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other point about um, Jeff Bezos, I mean, I don't, I, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that like, you know, you are, people need to take responsibility for how they're changing the world mm-hmm. if they are changing the world like that. Um, yeah. And I would say that, you know, it, it, it really matters. Yeah, it really matters how, I think we're all in a system where we're rewarding what is productive, mm-hmm. what is what mm-hmm. like we're all just commodities products, right? Mm-hmm. Or that's how people, that's how we're treated, and that's how right. we feel, and it gets into our psychology. It gets back yep. to what we we're saying before, like I don't feel you know valued enough. Yeah. The first contracts I ever negotiated, I was like, oh, just just let me do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I was like, you no, could yeah. you could do what like sure. I don't know what like you know adaptation rights are or whatever you know right but um but i think like you know it's important to to yeah you know that's a good point that you bring up about you know like the first time you were negotiating you're just like yeah whatever because i had that same experience the first time i was offered something it was years ago now yeah but they offered me a certain amount and i was just like okay yeah you know like i didn't know (laughs) i remember my dad giving me grief that was like in my mid-20s and he was like, well, they just offered you this, and you just said, okay. You didn't do anything. And it's like, okay, but I, A, didn't know that sort of thing could be negotiated. If they say that's what they can pay, yeah, didn't I know. didn't know. I right. was a kid. And, and secondly, I was never taught how to negotiate that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's something I think people need to know is that you can negotiate. You can speak up for yourself and your needs. Yeah. And here's how to do it. And there are ways to do it that protect both parties. Right. It You can approach a contract as an opportunity for both people involved or both parties involved 
to protect themselves and feel better about exactly the specific arrangement you have. Mm-hmm. It's going to protect mm-hmm. both people. Absolutely. But, you know, I said earlier, you know, I usually tend to think, you know, people are good, but contracts I tend to think are bad. You know, <laughs> yeah. they, they are, it, they're well done if mm-hmm. they are completely denying any kind of, like there's no company that's just going to do something because you're a swell guy. You yeah, know, like right. that's just not how it works. People are paid to, to get even just pennies on, on you, off of mm-hmm. you. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, contracting is really, I mean, especially and when you, you hear, really need a lawyer to... <laughs> you need, a, and who knows how to do that stuff. It's tough, but, you, but yeah, the WGA audio committee, they have some great documents about like what to look out for mm. in a I think those those are resources people should take advantage of if they aren't, don't have a lawyer or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But definitely, just you think I I used to think like oh this this one story that's not going to amount to anything. Mm-hmm. Of course not. Like right. they want to pay me five hundred dollars to to put it on some like show, and then they have the rights to it, and, then they and it's adapted to something. Yeah. yeah, and then mm-hmm. like you, you know it. It's, these are yeah, and these aren't new stories because everyone knows about Billy Joel's terrible original contract, and uh, I mean so much money that was right. that he did not make uh, in his in what some consider a golden era for him. Yeah. Uh, but of course, he's doing fine now. So right. you know, <laughs> let's cancel Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> like being able to just know industry standards and mm-hmm. for there to be a good faith element in, right. in the contracts, it just doesn't doesn't happen that way but and then people have to play like hardball just to get what's fair it's also just not in the best interest sometimes in certain cases of the company if the company right. you know makes it clear they're not going to pay you for a really long time they own it after you're done guess what now you have to write it and are you going to be that excited while you're right, writing that's what i always <laughs> say you have no personal investment in it at right. all so yeah. i don't get why people fight just being better to I think because people will do it, you know, like, yeah. or I mean, you, like people will. If someone's have, desperate for work, then yeah. Or, or if they just don't know, yeah. like I was naive and just said like, yeah, I'll just do this. And then they ask way too much of me. Yeah, there's part, part of it, I think, is the dynamic of artists just being like, oh, like inherently needing to, you know, being the, whatever, the power dynamic is against even meeting managers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're in this situation where that's a partnership, mm-hmm. right? You're going in to say, I have something that you can make 10% off of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you want it? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do to actually help me get more of that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so many people are self-proclaimed gatekeepers of like, I'll like the idea of the manager. I'll decide whether you're talented or not. You audition for me. I mean, managers are great. A lot of them, you know, I'm not saying any big general statements, but I'm just saying like, I do think that the best way to approach those kinds of arrangements and probably the ones that are last longest and are best is like, oh, hey, we're in this together long term and mm-hmm. we want to figure out something that's fair for both of us. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like, this is what I expect. This is what you expect. Mm-hmm. That just makes more sense because then everyone can just do the work and be focused on that and then everyone can be happier. But so many companies, I guess, in entertainment look at things as this is just an opportunity for me to make a quick buck or something. Like they're only thinking short-term benefits of 
yeah. we'll put this out there and make a bunch of money and then we'll move on. And it's like, oh, but if you made something good, you can make more money longer. <laughs> there are also just so many factors. Like, yeah. I've been in, I mean, I've been in positions where, or just abstractly, there are a lot of situations where a company or a specific executive is like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quit in two months. That's true. I don't care yeah. at all That's about so the many TV. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so, so many TV execs just go for, bounce around from network to network. Yeah. Which is why I think in the end of the day, getting to that place where you can be like happy doing the writing mm-hmm. and doing the thing that you love doing is that's the, that's what makes the thing that people want to buy right Mm -hmm. and also just let's do it whether people want to buy it or not it's what we love doing and you know we we can make money other ways people can yeah yeah, like it's true and it's a really good point you bring up about some of these execs aren't they know they're not going to be there forever it's not like for them they're not thinking like well this is my forever job they'll just they know that they'll they know how the industry works they know that they can get shit canned if if someone yeah. wants to throw them under the bus. Oh, yeah. And that happens all the time. So then they just find a way to, uh, you know, make some noise. And then they can just move on if need be. Right. And, and so, yeah, they don't have to think of that. Or, you know, someone, the, the exec who is actually caring about people gets shit canned. Right. So then what happens you know, to those people that he cared about? Now, now they don't have anyone who's advocating for them. Right. Exactly. And it sucks. And it it does. Know, this is a depressing conversation. It is. Why are we, why are we in this We're feeding industry? off of each other's <laughs> why, deep anxieties. Yeah. Why can't we just make something? Well, we can. And I think that's what I love about podcasting. In all seriousness, anybody can make a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, sorry. Not everybody. But like, you know, people who have the means to get a microphone right. and computer and, you know, figure out sure, how to and do want it. to do it yeah. and want to do it mm-hmm. and that's really really uh it's so accessible now exactly. to put something together if you wrote a uh short story that mm-hmm. you wanted to dramatize and as an audio piece yep you could so easily get that and not even have to pay a lot because you know right. um you have the equipment and mm-hmm. you can do a, a good chunk of that work uh, recording, you know, right. audio, like reading. And we were You've criticized. acted on the truth, you, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's your coffee, sir. Yeah, <laughs> you know I'll help you out if you wanted somebody to be in something. Always, like, 100%. You know, uh, Margaret. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's exciting. We were talking earlier about we're criticizing social media, what it's done. Mm-hmm. Podcasting is digital media, and it's part of that. But I think what distinguishes it is that think what's successful in podcasting is when you can create authenticity mm-hmm. and intimacy mm-hmm. and something where people are connecting mm-hmm. and you can feel part of that connection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I think social media is much more about furthering your own preconceived notions about things and getting mm-hmm. other people to endorse them and to feed yeah. off of your own. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, You're a, not on a, an expert lot, of like, media, <laughs> but I just, you know, I mean, it's fascinating. I think it is interesting. It is fascinating, and they're good and they're bad things about it, too, because, like, yeah. you know, you can put something out there, and it can connect with a bunch of people on social media. Whether it's, oh, yeah. And that's a lovely thing. True, exactly. But then there's yeah. also, like, there's a bad thing that we don't, I don't think, know how to fully 
protect ourselves from if we are engaging with social media. Right. It's like a lot of people who just say, I deleted my Facebook and I've never been happier. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah like, oh. I know a ton of... Justina, girlfriend of the show. She's dating the show. <laughs> well, you know how people say, like, friend of the yeah. show? No, the show brings her flowers every day. <laughs> yeah. She loves the show. <laughs> she was saying, like, a year after she deleted her Facebook, she was like, I feel like so much less stress. Oh, yeah. In the pandemic, Margaret and I found the game 2048, that game where you, it's like on your phone where you move numbers around, and everyone was apparently really into it like 10 years ago, and we discovered it. And the amount that we played that stupid (laughs) cell phone game during the pandemic, I think we both got, like, I think our brains changed from it. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was just like, it was too much. We were really sucked in. Some of those games are like weird. I haven't seen that particular one, but some of those games are. It's like, you can be away from it, and you're closing your eyes, and you see the game in your head, and you're like, yeah, it's just. I play Snood way too much. (laughs) Oh, Snood. Love Snood. I think that it is, it sounds like some sort of cheesy thing to you know, live in the moment, whatever. But I just don't think that that is, I think it's exactly what people need for uh, across the board. Like if, you know, if TikTok is a way that you're distracting your brain, I mean, that's not, that's not time you're relaxing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, for me, it's not time. I don't think it is. There's something weird about how our brains take in so much content. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I don't know. I don't think we need to take in that much content. Mm-hmm. It was like wall to wall right. in a one minute span. And yet, like, all we want to do is create more for other people. Right, right. I know. It's, <laughs> it's really bizarre. But yeah. I, don't, I don't hate TikTok. I don't hate um, Instagram. But there are elements of it that I don't like. And I don't want to. Oh, yeah. They make me feel weird if I'm on it. Well, it's especially Facebook, t- Instagram. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. that too. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... I just like seeing the pictures and people playing guitar. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I want to see a picture of a cupcake, a dog, a, a donut, and then <laughs> someone playing guitar. That's why I'm on Instagram. But when it gets to be more than that, then I'm like, I need to get off of here. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. Yeah. If I just keep going back to it, then I'm like, I need to do anything else than I, be on social media. I think it's really, really tough for everybody's mental health. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, I try to use it. I'm on all those things. Just, like, I keep saying, like, I just keep them so I can have a place to promote the podcast Well, I think like that. that that's, you know... Which a, is necessary. A good point, you know? Like, people do need this... Or if... Need. They should be able to have access to free promotional uh, platforms. Mm-hmm. But if you approach it as this is my, the Instagram account to promote my podcast. The psychology of that is so much better mm-hmm. than saying this is a profile to promote me as a person. You know, like... Mm-hmm. That's, I feel so uncomfortable about right. that element for... Because I'm an actor, and so mm-hmm. I hear the way people talk about having a social media presence, and I see the way some people have a social media presence. Oh, yeah. Who are actors, who are not famous. And it's it, it's unnerving. It's truly unnerving for me because they, they try to present themselves 
like they are as famous as The Rock or Jennifer Aniston. And it's like, I mean, I want to be sympathetic. Yes, I want to be sympathetic, though, to actors because they work in a visual medium. Right. And it is a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in some ways how... I, I know so many people who's who managers follow them on Instagram. You know, yeah. like so. So there is a, a, an extent to which you do have to. The be industry careful. saying you have to do it. Oh yeah, the, <laughs> the amount of agents who are like, oh, you want to write? Um, you get vlogging. You know, like oh, or wow. like start get on Twitter, get on whatever. That's great, but also like writing is a big umbrella. You know, like yeah. that, I I don't know if I want to be writing. Uh, Tweets Just every day tweets. or something. Yeah, yeah right, for sure. Uh, I know that back in the day, if something hit big, then the industry would say like, well, let's try to do that. Let's try to copy that. Uh-huh. Let's, you know, so we can have a big hit too. Yeah. And that was like when it was books and movies and TV shows or songs or whatever. Right. But now it's like, oh, this person had this kind of hit with their tweets. You know, they got a sitcom deal. Or this person got this other kind of deal with their tweets. Or this person got a book mm. deal with their tweet. And so everyone's just saying, like, we'll go on Twitter and just, like, try a bunch of stuff. And and then, like, hustle, 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 hustle. And it's like, I don't even know what I want. Yeah. Like, I know what I want. But, I mean, some right. people might feel like, so I'm just supposed to go out there and put myself out there on this limb. Or for stand-ups to put my jokes up on the internet where anyone can steal steal them. them. Yeah, and I've even had a joke stolen on Twitter. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know that it really is a good idea to present the way the industry is telling people to present online. Yeah, it also is the psychology of likes. You know, you're getting, you know, your ideas are being evaluated by what what time you post, what day (laughs) you post. I mean, like, these are, this is not productive way to learn i don't think i mean right. for, for me I, again maybe there are people that are very well suited for twitter but i just i don't think overall i mean i think i really believe that there should be more regulation of, of <laughs> big tech and stuff so yeah. oh for sure <laughs> big tech is really just thinking well we could do this <laughs> and so then they do it and they don't think about but should you do it and is it gonna be bad <laughs> if you do yeah. it <laughs> and then they're yeah. like what <laughs> I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> I like that Big Tech has that voice. You know? What? I'm Google. <laughs> I don't really know. Let's try something new. Let's yeah, I... YouTube. <laughs> so what, what we're talking about, like, putting yourself out there in certain ways, what is it you are yeah. wanting to do mostly? You know, like, you're a writer, obviously, you're in the audio world, and yeah. you like it, so you want to stay in that. But what other avenues in audio and outside of audio are you looking for? Yeah, that's that's a cool question. I love audio, and well, writing. I mean, writing to me fundamentally is a, or audio is fundamentally a form of writing. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty interested in and passionate about mental health Mm. advocacy, advocacy for people living with mental illnesses, that kind of thing. And I think that audio is a really rich space to explore that. Mm. My Audible original series has a lot to do with with that kind of stuff. And Mm. it's great for audio because maybe it's the sense of 
literal closeness to your head. Of right, like yeah, having you hear headphones. it in the middle of your yeah. Right, but like it's such a, you know, an internal and external experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of get both sides of that. And the mental health space for audio is a cool one. I mean, like, I remember doing, you know, meditation tapes mm-hmm. f- since I was like 12 just mm-hmm. for like mental health stuff. And when I could listen to just words, and have the chemistry of my body change in mm. that moment from doing that. That's a, I mean, it really showed me how powerful it could be. And I haven't mm-hmm. been always like an audiophile, worst word, pod lover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh, you know, it's, you know, it was really at the truth that I realized how cool oh. it could be because I just didn't know I could do what I had wanted to do in audio. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like specializing more into it has only made me understand storytelling as a whole mm. more. I don't know. That's really cool. I don't know what's next. I le- that's something I want to, you know, do some projects or I'm, I'm thinking about projects for that. I'm going to keep writing fiction and mm. I'd love to. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think if I've learned anything so far, it's just that like, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'll, yeah. I'll, I just want to, you know. You be you in the moment. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. <laughs> it just, it, I totally get you. Well, to me, it always just goes back to the psychology of it all. Just in general, I mean, yeah. leaving it, leaving things for other people to decide to to quantify mm-hmm. its value is mm-hmm. is kind of ridiculous. I think yeah. it should be like you're confiding with mm-hmm. people, and this is an experience that I've had. Has anyone else there had it? Like, here's mm-hmm, a, a mm-hmm. question I want to pose about this right. or something like that. And it's like to start a real conversation and a dialogue mm-hmm. or to or to just like, you know, be in it together, right? Right. But versus being like, I'm going to make the perfect thing. And yeah. Everyone is going to love it and then they're going to love I me. I have no idea how <laughs> to do that. And I, <laughs> well, I kind of want don't to? want it right yeah. yeah. And I don't know how to engage in that. And it makes me uncomfortable to think about it. I think that like your podcast is the coolest thing because you are regularly sitting down and having good conversations with a lot of different kinds of people. Thanks. Right? That's like a that's but I mean for you personally. Yeah. That's a gift. That's that, fun, I you know. I love I love that about If you this can podcast. make money off of it like Dak Shepard, fantastic. Yeah. He I'm sure he loves it, but also just I don't know. It's fun. It's I, I'm fun, right yeah. now like, oh, I should, you know. Yeah, I, I've I been doing it for five have... years for a reason, you know. Like a lot of people, they stop after a year. Right, yeah. You know, because it's a whole lot. You must learn a lot talking to people. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> You're like, no, my guess, I don't really <laughs> learn from them. <laughs> and I don't take the advice yeah. when I do learn. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I do learn in ways that I didn't even think I would. Because I thought it was going to be like, learn more about sketch writing or joke writing and stuff like Mm. that. But it's so much other stuff. Like when I had Keisha Zoller on, I was like Mm -hmm. thinking more about how to just behave with other people, you know? like She's fantastic. She really is. Yeah. (laughs) She really is the best. She's fantastic. Yeah. Well, this has been a great talk. It's the end of the episode. Wow. And It's uh, the end. Let's do that create something together thing. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering, since you're talking so much about audio, what is a good approach someone can take to pitching an audio piece somewhere? You know, like if someone's like, has this idea, they want to make it, they want to sell it to Audible, let's say. How does one go about that? 
Well, I could definitely talk about that. Did you want to make like a treatment to send? Or, should, or well, do you want to, yeah. or like a podcast idea? Or, or yeah, or, yeah, a okay. podcast idea. Because I was, we were just nominated and lost the podcast. <laughs> 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 and now, and, but I was exposed to all these other oh. podcasts. I'm like, okay, I see what they're, going that's for. so cool you were not i mean it's so super cool i was nominated I, it's the podcast awards is the name of it yeah i hadn't heard of that so i thought you were making a joke no, <laughs> just because no. it sounds like the no, tv the awards you know the movie yeah. awards you know but that's that's awesome congratulations thanks yeah and there are all these people who like they they clearly are just like doing their thing and had very specific themes or whatever yeah like, you know dad's drinking beers or like dad's <laughs> drinking bourbon i think one of them actually was dad's drinking bourbon uh-huh. so yeah like let's think of an idea for a podcast cool and then how someone would pitch that let's do it what genre do you want to do i guess there are a couple of directions we can go because we were talking so much about like cancel culture no this is exactly what i want to do it's a cancel culture podcast but not talking about cancel culture and it's so bad but like how can we improve upon what the intent of cancel culture is uh-huh so maybe it's talking to like sociologists like uh-huh. you have a guest on that's a psychologist or some sort of expert in mental health and also the way people behave and communicate mm-hmm. and talk about maybe specific because we got to be case by case right talk about specific things uh-huh that happened and break them down and and look at the psychology of how all of it happened mm-hmm. maybe a psychologist should just be like one of the hosts yeah <laughs> yeah or mm. billy joel or billy joel who we all want to cancel <laughs> yeah that's it yeah. we could do special episodes of a person we want to cancel <laughs> plus the intro music we've already got yeah you know that's great i'm in <laughs> so I kind of like that idea because there's so many. I love it. Yeah, there's so many people who just talk about cancel culture as if it should go away, but it's like, well, what do you mean should go away? Is it the calling people out, or is it the way in which people call people out that should go away? And I, feel I like really it's like. Yeah, I really <laughs> like the fact that that is trying to do something that will have a positive impact on the world, or trying to like show and not tell mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what something mm-hmm. is. Right. So. I feel like what makes it a good like audio pitch will be how is you know sort of gearing it towards the medium of like the like specifically gearing it what do we want and like to me that's getting like an intimate conversation in some ways getting something that's like true and vulnerable you might not hear otherwise mm-hmm. almost like you're getting like an sort of an inside glimpse or it feels like you're getting an inside glimpse uh, into a story that you know, you've heard before potentially, but that you didn't really know all the like true nuance of it. Mm-hmm. That's really cool to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. could have cases where you talk about different moments of cancel culture. You mm-hmm. Maybe the episodes are ha- involve the real players involved mm-hmm. in the incident because, you know, it's also Good super to get, important. to Right. Right. Get the word from the horse's mouth. As they yeah. Say. yeah. And I mean, I think you'd also... Which have... I think never happens when people talk about right. canceling somebody. They never actually say, like, what did you mean? 
Yeah. When you said this. It's and always just like, this is what you said. Right. And we and talking to the people who canceled, what was the intention behind that? Or, Absolutely, you know, yeah. Getting, getting what to know you, what people on a, did you want a personal level. Right. You know, because like, I think in general, the concept of cancel culture is basically this impersonal world where we feel like we can say mm-hmm. say anything or do anything, the mob mentality, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then in a podcast, you can really get to know someone. Mm-hmm. Um and it can bring people closer. So right. and like you and bring more understanding to a situation, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and they're not all going to be great. And I think it'd right. be really cool to have those people on and have the end of the podcast be like, "You did a really bad thing." <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I, I wonder how that's interesting, you know. But I, yeah. but it has to be explored. And I think right. doing it in some way that makes audio int- like an interesting piece of it, maybe you sort of script out what happened as mm-hmm. a story, you know, like you're writing the visuals of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If you're, if you're with the cancel culture stuff. Also deciding what genre it is because like, you know, audio journalism, totally different animal. So many um, different avenues that could be. And I guess, with, right. you know, if you do, how much do you have to think about that? And maybe this is why you brought it up. How much do you have to think about that in order for it to be a successful podcast? Like, you know, if, if you put it in the comedy podcast realm, maybe that would have certain dividends as opposed to if you put it in the health podcast realm. Right. You know, like either How can be super successful, genre, but yeah. like you got to pick the right genre that oh, will totally. maybe attract people. Is that... A- yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, calling things dramedies really helps because mm-hmm. either way, you're not really disappointed. <laughs> you know, if you call it a comedy, it better be funny. You know, that's... Like, that's like, yeah, the genres and everything. But yeah, I think getting like really specific or, or kind of creating a world that is interesting that like dads with bourbon, I've never heard yeah. of it before, but, but it won I've a got a picture in my head. Awards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that there's, there's a lot of ways to go about it, but I feel like, you know, we said successful podcasts, good podcasts. I think so many podcasts are so good mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily, re- successful. Not necessarily quote right. unquote, I mean I think they're successful they just don't oh. have the listenership you know oh, like, right, they might right, not right. be financially successful but like there are great podcasts out yeah. there and there's no reason to not do them you know like right. Absolutely. It, if you want it to be your livelihood that's a different you know mm-hmm. from a practical standpoint you know a different set of questions but if you want some sort of hit uh, formula I, I don't I don't know that I would suggest uh any particular one other than playing to the strengths of of listening mm-hmm. and hearing something interesting yeah very cool and have it be like real in some way as, yeah. as like truthful i think yeah it's important i love all of that <laughs> i really do and it, it actually makes like let's just legitimately create this yeah um, do it. what should, what would we call that i would call it Slow burn such a good name. I want a name like that that has some sizzle to it. You know right. I, mean? I would call it Uptown Girl. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Davey, thank you so much for being back on the podcast. It was so much fun. And this is a great podcast. I'm so excited to be on it. Oh my gosh, he's so kind, and he's super talented and funny. If you want to check out one of his audio dramas, I recommend Married Alive. It was on Shore Script's Ultimate Fiction Podcast Script Collection, alongside titles like Homecoming and Blackout. Davey's also the founder of Screen Door Audio, which launched this week. 
You can learn more about it at ScreenDoorAudio.com, and you can see all of his work or get in touch with him at DaveyGardner.com. Also on DaveyGardner.com, you can hear Married Alive and one of my favorite things he's done, Game Night. That's super funny. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ThereItIsPod, and also go to our YouTube channel and subscribe at ThereItIs. Go to thereitispod.com for more podcast info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.